How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And I believe, Frank, you are coming off of Game of Thrones high, so honestly, we could probably talk for five hours and you'd be totally with me for this entire conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners watch Game of Thrones. Um, I, I, I'm not like a Game of Thrones book reader. I'm not quite to that level, but I am a... I am obviously a big fan like many people and and I I still don't understand. I'm like amazed Eric cuz we share like pro- pretty similar taste in television and movies, you know, pop culture stuff. I so I agree. think it's I think it's funny that you don't watch Game of Thrones. Um but I'm also sort of envious cuz I feel like at some point in the not so distant future you're going to like be sitting there, you're not going to have anything to do with your spare time and you're going to say maybe I'll start watching Game of Thrones and then you're going to have like <laughs> 60 some hours of television that you can catch up on and enjoy for the first time. So, um, so yeah, it's Sunday nights are, are pretty awesome uh, TV viewing because I'm also a Twin Peaks fan and uh, so I get Twin Peaks and uh, Game of Thrones on the same night, at least for, I guess, one more week with Game of Thrones finishing next week and Twin Peaks, I think, only has a few episodes left. So this is like the this is like peak Sunday for me and I'm sure for, for many people, but we will not, we will not do spoilers. Sure not. We will not do spoilers. This is not a game of Thrones podcast, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, uh, I, I, I'm tempted. I wish if you were a game of Thrones fan, I oh, would, you'd have I some would takes. You'd be ready. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd have takes, but I would just want to like talk, talk to you about it, but we will spare our listeners that. And I don't know. Are you tempted to, to start watching? Do you have a plan to start watching or is it just like, just- um, I'm really bad at TV. TV seems very daunting to me. Like if, <laughs> j- like just the idea of penciling in an hour each week for like a TV show, either at like a set time or to do that, and then once I like, like miss one week, then I'm really bad at catching up. Like I'm just bad at TV. Like there's so few TV shows that like I've actually gone out of my way to make sure that I've gotten all the way through like like, i'm just bad at it like i i did it for the americans like season one and two and it was fantastic and then season three i got like two episodes behind and i was like eh, screw it like i don't care uh so i I don't know i'm just bad at tv so maybe at some point but i think the wire and breaking bad are both ahead of game of thrones right now for me like it when i do some tv watching like I think those two are probably going to be there before uh, Game of Thrones. So I don't know. And all of that just seems very daunting because I just quickly added that up in my head. And that's like, what, 60 hours, 60 hours, 68 plus hours? Like, Jesus, that's a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, all the, you should watch all those shows. But I, I'll say this, too. Like, I would prioritize Game of Thrones just because Game of Thrones is so, like, ingrained into pop culture and like obviously you are on twitter all the time and like everybody on twitter starts talking about game of thrones so i feel like if i was going to pick one of those shows at this point i would do it with game of thrones try to catch up before you know i think they said the next season isn't going to be till like 28 sometime in 2018 so you have some time 
So if I mean, if yeah. this is a matter of you getting an HBO Go subscription, <laughs> just just say the word, man. I can. I know many out. people. Um, I know many people. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I would say the other ones that like, you're a lot less likely to have so stuff spoiled. So check. But but you can't go wrong. And I would say this too. I mean, The Wire. Each of the seasons of The Wire kind of. I mean, you want to watch them in order, but they're each sort of their own thing. Whereas, yeah, I feel like Game of Thrones. Once you start, you're just gonna kind of be hooked and just have to kind of keep going going but um <laughs> anyway uh there was sort of milwaukee bucks news this weekend we had at least i forget who who it was um shout out to whoever it was that that asked if we were going to do an emergency podcast over <sighs> some conspiracy talk eric i, I don't oh, know yeah I, if there's one thing you know i love it is conspiracy <laughs> talk all right can you can you lay this out because i mean i've I've tried to read, so Giannis Adetokounmpo officially pulls out of Greece's Eurobasket uh, squad over the weekend. Um, I think it happened, what, yesterday? Um, and uh, he tweeted out something, or, or Instagram something, and then I think he deleted it, and then there were, you know, it, translations of that, because I think he originally did the one in Greek, and then uh, there was a Greek Federation response, and our, our dear listeners and readers, shout out to all our Greek friends, uh, were giving us translations, and just a lot of well, not not our not necessarily the f- people helping us out, but it seems like there were some angry people in the Greek Basketball Federation, and we don't know really where Giannis is with all this stuff. But th- there is there is way more to this, uh, seemingly from an emotional standpoint, than just oh, Giannis is has a sore knee and he's not going to play in an international tournament. It seems like this is a big deal. Yeah, I guess so. To lay it out, I'm going to say yesterday, Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Time, somewhere around there, Giannis posted on Instagram and Facebook, I believe, um, just a, something that mentioned, like, oh, okay, I'm not going to play in Eurobasket, and uh, the reason that I'm not is because I did a test in China with the Bucks officials, which we had talked about last week, and during that test, I failed to sex- successfully perform the exercises and couldn't do it. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. And then in the original statement, he said something about how last year he had the option to quote-unquote freeze the deal from a new contract. This year he doesn't have that choice. Um, and essentially what he meant was they were getting the contract extension ready uh, last year around somewhere around this time. And Giannis said, okay, I want to play for the national team. And they said, okay, well we're not going to sign you to the extension until you're done doing that. Um, Just because who knows what could happen. We don't want to open ourselves up to that liability. We don't want to take that chance. So you can go play for the national team. That's fine. But we're going to wait until to sign your contract. So that's why we got the contract extension in, what was that September of last year? Um, So we, that was kind of what happened last year that got deleted. And then uh, some of of his statement that he had on Instagram got taken out. Uh, then it got re put into some articles and made, it was made, I guess a more official statement to like Euro hoops. Uh, and they put that out and I would say roughly in hour after that, uh, the Greek basketball federation released, um, I'll say a strongly worded statement. I think that was what I, I called it on Twitter where they said that they were disappointed that they didn't get a face-to-face meeting with Giannis. Giannis didn't tell them what was going on. And then they found out on social media that he was not going to be playing uh, anymore, in, or he wasn't going to participate in Eurobasket. And then they leveled quite an acu- ac- it was quite an accusation um, that the the Bucks in the NBA had put together a well a well prepared plan that was going to put Giannis in a tough spot and force him to announce that he would not be participating with the men's national team. So they got the conspiracy talk going, um, which was just great. 
so that kind of happened in the afternoon. Uh, didn't really hear anything more. Uh, 12.40 a.m. Sunday morning, late Saturday night. Uh, the Bucks released a statement as well um, and said that they sent Suki Hobson over to China to do the exercises uh, and reported th- and she reported back that he was still experiencing significant pain on basic movements um, and then kind of all of this had kind of been shared with all the parties with the Bucks doctor with uh, the Greek medical staff with really everyone involved and the NBA as well uh, so the NBA could kind of confirm all these things and then the NBA released a statement as well that said like no there's no conspiracy this is ridiculous like no that didn't happen uh, and then that kind of leaves us where we are today um, so I <laughs> I guess this entire time, this has just been an interesting conversation. This is something that we've always talked about. Like, is it good for Giannis to do this? Is it bad? And we've always kind of been of the opinion, or, and if I'm speaking incorrectly for you, let me know, Frank. Um, but we've always been of the opinion, like, if it makes him happy, that's that's great, and he should go do it. And the Bucks should obviously be trying to keep – Giannis happy and try to make sure that he's kind of in a good spot mentally and emotionally um, but ultimately like it doesn't help the Bucks. like him going over there does not help the Bucks get really any better like it might make him uh, feel a little bit better feel the pride that he gets to kind of play for his country and, and do all that but it, it doesn't really make the Bucks better um, so him just resting instead of being a part of competitions. Um, I think it would have been the timeline would have been pretty tight if he ended up playing Eurobasket, where he would have been in the tournament and then I think had a day or two to get to training camp and then go right into training camp and right into the NBA season. So essentially, he would have been adding a month to like playing activities and uh, doing all of that. So. Uh, ultimately, I don't know if it would be a good thing if he would have played or not, but that's kind of where we are now. Um, any thoughts, anything I missed, Frank? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, obviously. I mean, we, we've we never had a player quite of Giannis's obviously, abilities, period, during certainly our lifetime as, as Bucks fans. So, uh, and, and let alone an international player. We, we obviously had, with Andrew Bogut, Bucks fans obviously had some similar situations where obviously Andrew Bogut had a lot of injuries over the years and you know, there was this question that would happen fairly regularly. You know, does Bogut play for the Aussie national team? Does he not? Um, what's in the best interest? And, um, you know, I mean, I'll just say this. Like, obviously, as a Bucks fan, like, fundamentally, like, I, I don't, I, I, hey, I, I would love to see Giannis be healthy, play for Greece. I'm going to root for Greece in every tournament. I'll root for Greece over the U.S., to be honest, because I, you know, just international basketball just doesn't matter that much to me as as a fan as as an american fan let's say um you know Giannis is is my favorite nba player so i'd love to see him do well and um you know as a person you obviously root for him to want to be able to do this because it means a lot to him but but yeah i mean as a bucks fan first and foremost um you know anytime you hear anything about a potential injury and again this does sound more precautionary than anything but um, certainly the way the Greeks have framed it is they make it sound like, oh, you know, the, he could, he, he's not really that hurt, whatever. Um, although they also acknowledge that he had some kind of pain, even if there was, you know, not like a, an obvious sort of problem on a, on an MRI. Um, you hear any type of injury and then your immediate thought is shut it down, right? As a Bucks fan, you're worried about Giannis's long-term health, even though this, you know, again, it's not like there's a, he hasn't torn anything, God willing, he hasn't done anything kind of clearly bad that requires, at this point, any type of surgery. But you hear that anything might require rehab. You hear anything might cut into, you know, his ability to be ready for camp. You say, just don't, no, just let's be risk averse. Don't bother. And, you know, this is the problem is Greece, you know, as a as a federation, they only get Giannis in the summers. And if he's obviously hurt, if something's going on, um, then they have to compromise and then they don't really get to use the most valuable player that arguably they've ever had or, or you know, in the big picture, obviously, the, you know, he's not at this point. Maybe I'm sure Greek fans will talk about other players, Spinoulas, others who've been better international players. That's fine. But obviously Giannis is, is the biggest star that, that Greece has ever had, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So, um, I, you know, I understand both sides being frustrated with the other side. 
but it just seemed like, man, like the Greek Federation kind of coming out and, and playing the conspiracy card. It's like, what exactly is the upside to, you know, kind of throwing Giannis under the bus a little bit as well? Because again, I mean, the way I understand it, you know, if there's a, an, a like a medically valid reason to hold a player out, then a team in the NBA can effectively prevent a player from playing. Um, if a guy's healthy, I don't believe they can actually stop him from playing despite his contract situation, you know, whatever his contract is. Um, but I also don't think the Bucks would, you know, if Giannis was healthy, I don't think the Bucks are going to tell him like, you know, you were kicking and screaming. We're going to keep you from playing in a tournament. So um, obviously you would think Giannis had to go along with this to some extent. And as you were saying, the fact that Giannis was in China during training camp for a public appearance also suggests that he's not, you know, let's just say this, he's not going 100% all in on this to begin with. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I just, it just seems like this doesn't need to be that big of a deal, right? Like the Greek Federation doesn't need to turn this into like a blood feud. And mm-hmm. I get that they're pissed off because they think Giannis could play. But guess what? Like, you know, it kind of it's like it's also feels reckless for them to just say like you know we can just take this guy and I get I obviously understand they don't want Giannis to get hurt but they also don't have the same incentives that the Bucks do and if Giannis is banged up for training camp that's really not their problem right as long as he's healthy in the summers it's fine for them um, but again you know his his job number one is is as an NBA player and um, you know you have to hope that that he understands that and hopefully. Um, he's on board with this move. Obviously, you know, it it does seem like he is. Um, but that would be to me, the only problem is if, you know, he somehow comes out of this angry at the bucks. Right. Um, but again, it's, it's just a tough spot. And I think the Greeks have, uh, probably not made it any easier. I, I thought that was probably the most interesting thing was the escalation from the Greek basketball federation, because honestly at 11 AM when he posted that, I thought, Oh, okay. This is going to be kind of the end of this news cycle. Uh, he's posted this. He said he's not going to participate, and that'll be that. Like the the knee problems occurred while he was in their training camp. Uh, he sat out a game for them because of the knee. Like they are aware that this is occurring, and I would think that all three parties would say, "Okay, yeah, this this makes sense." Like we have. Not, and I guess I shouldn't think of it this way because obviously they they don't have to have the best interests of Giannis in in their uh, in their point of view. They don't have to push that. Like they just have to push getting the best basketball team possible. So getting a Giannis that may not be 100 percent healthy but can play through the pain, sure that's fine for them because none of the other time affects them. It, it just doesn't. So even though you would hope that okay all parties would work together and want to kind of have Giannis' best interests in mind. Well, the, the Greek team doesn't have to do that. Uh, they just need to put out the best basketball team they can. So I, I was just really surprised that it kind of it went down like that. I, I was not at all expecting them to, as, as you mentioned, start a blood feud. Like, there's just no... I, I'm just trying to think of what the possible outcome was like now you've you've put this accusation towards Giannis essentially if not calling him a liar calling his NBA team a liar and calling the entire NBA uh, a liar and part of a, a huge conspiracy so say all this works out you are proven to be true whatever you're saying that he can play whatever it's proven to be true Okay, you win. Giannis gets to play for you in Eurobasket, but now you've made him look bad. You've made the NBA look bad. You've made the Bucks look bad. It, what what did you really win? So I, I don't know. It, it just kind of been a, a strange kind of look at things. And I guess too, uh, I think originally when all this started to come down on Saturday, I had a number of people uh, tweet at me and say like, oh. God, the Bucks look so stupid here. Like this, this is awful for the Bucks. And I was like, in my head, I was like, what? Like, what's what's awful about it? Like, uh, again, uh, having someone accuse you of being a part of some huge conspiracy, 
not a great look, but like the receipts are all there. Um, this isn't that difficult to figure out. Like I, I don't, I don't think the Bucks look bad for trying to protect Giannis and keep Giannis as healthy as they can keep him for next season. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Like, yes, you do want to keep Giannis happy, and Giannis is the biggest part of this organization. And obviously, he's the guy that's going to lead you to championships if you do one day win championships. So yeah, keep him happy, but if he's actively doing things that are detrimental to his health and maybe even his future health, like maybe that leads to a more serious injury playing injured on something that he shouldn't be playing injured on. Like, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with what the bucks were doing. Did you have any reaction to that at all? Cause I, I don't know. I just thought it was so strange when people were saying, God, the bucks look so stupid again. Like just when this summer, they couldn't mess up the summer anymore. They go and do this. And I was like, huh? Like, I don't think so. Well, I mean, NBA teams trying to keep and come up with reasons to keep star players from playing internationally. I mean, that's that's like every team tries to do that, right? I mean, there's no a story as old as time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let me let me just read this. This is this is the statement from John Orris. I'm I'm reading this from uh, it was published in Eurobasket, um, but I'm sure it was elsewhere too. Um, but this is the statement from John Orris. So this is the Bucks kind of official. You know timeline of events, and obviously this, you know, parts of this were showed a challenge by the Greeks. But let me just read this off real quick. After a brief time in training with the Greek national team, Giannis reported to our basketball staff that he was having right anterior knee pain following certain movements. At this time, we contacted the Greek national team and requested that Giannis stop on court running and jumping for a period of time to rest. Bucks team physician Dr. William Rash consulted with Dr. Volgaropoulos of the Greek national team regarding the injury, and as a result, Giannis continued to sit out from training. Uh, as an aside, this is before he played that that one game where he obviously looked very good. Um, continuing with the quote, Giannis recently left his national team to travel to China for an appearance. Here he was visited by Bucks head of strength and conditioning, Suki Hobson. Hobson put Giannis through a series of exercises to evaluate his knee and reported that he was still experiencing significant pain on basic movements. After reviewing the report filed by Hobson, Dr. Rush recommended that due to the recurring knee pain, Giannis should not continue to attempt play at this time, that the best course of action would be for him to return to Milwaukee for further evaluation and to begin a structured daily rehabilitation program. While he is very disappointed that he will not be competing for his national team at this time, we agree with our medical staff's recommendation and feel this is in Giannis' best interest. He is scheduled to return to Milwaukee this week to begin his daily treatment and rehabilitation program in order to be ready for Bucks training camp. Um, and the NBA also added, you know, that the Bucks and the NBA have followed all appropriate protocol under the NBA FIBA agreement. And quote, Giannis has has an injury that has been confirmed through multiple examinations, and any suggestion to the contrary is false. So again, this is sort of, you know, the Bucks having grounds to basically prevent Giannis from playing. Obviously, Giannis isn't compelled to play, you know, even if he is healthy. But I think what is important here is if Giannis kind of realize that he probably shouldn't play and this is something that you had suggested um whenever it was like a week ago right after he was going to go to try and i think you suggested well maybe he's just not gonna maybe this is like where Giannis sort of decides this isn't worth it um and if you kind of pull that you know if you if you think that narrative is is the one that Giannis sort of was like yeah you know i agree like this i'm having some pain this this is not worth sort of risking um then i think what the bucks did is good the bucks are the ones who say you know we'll take the heat We'll, we'll take the Greek bullets um, and whatever. If the Greek Federation wants to lob conspiracy theories and make the Bucks the bad guys, um, then hopefully Giannis can can duck some of that heat and then Giannis can appreciate the fact that the duck that the Bucks were made out to be the bad guys. So um, so I don't know. I mean, again, this is uh, I, I'm, I feel like I'm bringing some it, it's it's feeling more games of Game of Thrones <laughs> than, than it should be. But um, but yeah, that that is at least one theory. That is my my optimistic theory if, if that's really what's happening which is possible then um i don't think this is necessarily a bad way for the bucks to have played it at all um to be honest yeah and i was gonna say i had a couple people say like okay well uh i don't know what's going on but it's got to be one of two things like either Giannis is actually hurt which is bad or the bucks are like actively holding Giannis from playing and those are like either option is terrible and in my mind i was like well there's a third option like the third option would be that Giannis kind of realized like you said and i had mentioned last week like Giannis realized this probably isn't worth it i don't want to play i don't want to tell anyone i don't want to play because that 
doesn't make any sense. That doesn't look good for me. Uh, that would, I mean, it, I would think that would be like when Derrick Rose decided to sit out in the playoffs or whatever the other year. Like, Bulls fans killed him for it. Like, just crushed him for it because, well, you, you've been cleared, but you decided you decided not to play. And obviously Derrick Rose gave some other reason, and it got even worse for him. But, like, that same thing could have happened if Giannis just said, no, I, I don't want to play. Uh, so, like you said, like this could have been both Giannis and the Bucks getting together and saying, okay, what's the plan? How do we... How do we get you out of this? Like, if you don't want to play, and that would be one way that you could go about it by saying this injury is too serious and uh, making sure all of that happens. So I, I don't know. It, it was, I guess, I, again, it was kind of this whole this whole summer. Giannis's participation in Eurobasket has kind of been interesting to me because we talked about it in the lead up, and we kind of asked each other, like, is he going to play in Eurobasket? Like, is he not? Like, what's going to happen there? And there was never an official announcement, right? Like, like I didn't miss anything. Like, there was never a time when Giannis or Giannis and the Greek team or the Bucks and Giannis or, like, anything. Like, there wasn't an Instagram post. There wasn't a tweet. There wasn't a Facebook. There wasn't an official statement. Like, there wasn't anything that said, like, Giannis Adetokounmpo will play in this summer's Eurobasket. Like, he just showed up at Greek practice. And there was like some Snapchat pictures of him uh, and Thanasis in their jerseys, and that was that. And then it was just like, okay, I guess he's playing in Eurobasket, but like it never got officially announced, right? Did it, did I miss that? Uh, no, I mean, I think I, I recall. I think John Horst during uh, during Vegas was on NBA TV or, or ESPN, or whatever. He's you know sitting courtside getting interviewed, and I, I think he was asked about it, and believe he. He sort of just said TBD, basically, like he seemed to not want, you know, it kind of obviously, you know, John Horst doesn't want to see his players doing anything. They don't have to um, take any undue risk, but he seemed to just sort of be playing it off as un- unknown at that point. Um, but and yeah, it really wasn't until he showed up at, at Greek training camp and, you know, we had kind of Greek, Greek, uh, our Greek friends uh, tweeting us and, and letting us know that that was happening, that it was like, oh, well, I guess Giannis is, is at uh, training camp. Because um, that's, a, but, that's a big thing, right? Like, if your guy is playing for you, like, isn't that something where it's like, all right, let's get together, let's do a quick video shoot with me in a Greek jersey? Like, you know what I mean? Like, at the point where we are now at, as far as social media and announcing things and getting press releases, out, like, that would have been, I feel like the, it was just strange to me that that was never, like, an official thing. Like, he just showed up and was, like, kind of there. Yeah, it was a little, I mean, again, maybe there was, you know, obviously, presumably there was a lot more coverage of that, obviously, in the Greek press. But, yeah, in, in the U.S., we, we just didn't really know anything about it until it was like, oh, I guess that's happening. Um, but, you know, interesting. I mean, Milos Teodosic um, from the Serbian team, uh, far less drama. He uh, he had participated in some of the training camp uh, with Serbia, and then they released something today basically saying that he has some kind of issue which he'd missed part of training camp and some of the prep, uh, some of the exhibition games, and basically the the Clippers and the, the Serbian uh, team doctors together. Isn't that nice? They together decided that he wasn't <laughs> going to play. Um, and again, I mean, who knows how serious you know this injury really is, but you know he's obviously going to um, you know, moving to the NBA and, you know, again, if he has some kind of ding, ding that uh, he's a little bit nervous about, you know, obviously he also probably doesn't want to risk anything. So, I I mean, look, the, the, by kind of this kind of going nuclear, I mean, there's really no upside. Um, I, I can only assume the logic if you're trying to spin this for a group from a Greek perspective is that, well, if they try to turn this into a big deal, then Giannis being a good person, does he feel totally guilted into playing next year or the year after or whenever, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to check when the next FIBA world cup is. Um, but like, you know, is it something like that? Like, is he, you know, but, but that's just such a, that's such a weird tack to take. I don't know. It all seems like a really not ideal way to, to try to, you know, get Giannis to, to want to play. And um, again, I don't, I don't think Giannis is going to have to, I don't think you're gonna have to twist Giannis's arm to play. I think he does want to play in general. But, <laughs> if there's one um, thing that dude loves, it is playing basketball. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It just seems like like too big of a deal. And um, so anyway, um, obviously he's not going to play. And now I think the only question is, 
you know, uh, hopefully it really isn't a, a big deal injury wise. You know, as you said, it doesn't seem like previously there was that much concern about this type of injury, you know, in terms, as far as especially with training camp and, and how far out that is still um, obviously. But but obviously, if he had continued to play and, and again, you know, this is a kind of injury you play. And again, I have to look at the schedule for Greece, but, you know, common in, in these types of tournaments to play back to backs or sometimes even back to back to backs. Um, and obviously with with an injury like, you know, if it's tendonitis or whatever it might be. That's not great if if you're trying to you know stay fresh and and you know try to avoid sort of those repetitive stress type type problems. So um, so yeah, I think from the in the grand scheme of things, I mean again, you're talking about a 22 year old guy. It's it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, both for the box and and for the Greek Federation, Greek Federation. So you hope that again, cooler heads prevail, and and hopefully uh, future off seasons, Giannis will be 100 percent healthy. And, you know, hopefully the only question will be um, him coming off a really long postseason run. <laughs> Does he want to go and uh, and play international basketball after uh, after some hopefully uh, extended postseasons with the Bucks? But um, I, I don't know. Yeah, it it feels like this has just kind of become a bigger deal than it should be. Yeah, as I said, the other thing uh, some people might remember, uh, Vilas Nikos came over during the season and did some videos with Giannis and wrote a couple articles about Giannis uh, over at Eurohoops. And he wrote something on uh, kind of all of the all of the stress and kind of the entire incident and just kind of answering some questions. Uh, so I've had. A couple of our, our Greek friends try to help me out with some of the stuff, but you had mentioned uh, the knee pain, and one of the questions he asked as he was, essentially the goal of his article was like try to like find, I guess, fact from fiction in all of this, and he he had posed the question to himself: When did Giannis start having knee pain? And his answer was, and again, this is. A translation from one of our Greek friends, Eddie, helped out with this one, uh, and he said he kind of has always had that. Giannis has a, in quotes, vulnerability um, in chronic problem on his right knee since he was 16 years old. There have been multiple occasions when there was irritation on the meniscus area. He often plays on painkillers or injections, and the number and the nature of the problem is such that when he is warmed up, the pain is less, and when he gets cold, meaning when he is not playing, things get worse. That's why he uses ice on his knees when he's on the bench and not just as a post-game recovery method like most athletes. Um, and then... Uh, Varlis had said, even at the Dedekumbro's events, I remember him telling me, tell them to speed up the contest. There are a lot of pauses, uh, and I can be in pain in between when those pauses happen. So, obviously, I don't think that's a good thing to hear, but this isn't something that maybe is new. Um, and obviously, I, I know earlier in the summer when the first report had come out, um, I know I had mentioned that this is a thing that's happened before. I know he sat out for uh, knee tendonitis in the December 2015 against the Suns. Uh, so this is a thing that that does happen for him, it appears. And uh, it, I guess the Bucks are very much aware of it. And it seems like they're just going to have to try to manage it and make sure that uh, they do their best with it. But I think that knee pain is bad, but it, it appears they are aware of it and i guess you just kind of have to deal with that yeah that whole that whole uh strand probably not what bucks fans want to be hearing in an otherwise quiet august but um I, I, yeah we'll, we'll just have to see and and hope that we don't hear much about it moving forward but obviously this is you know he will not be the first nor last nba player to deal with kind of you know lingering tendonitis and and sort of you know these types of knee problems and you just hope that it uh it doesn't manifest itself into something something more serious but obviously uh not playing in a in a in a, in a summer tournament will uh will certainly uh you know reduce the risk of of obviously an issue that that maybe hurt him come training camp and being ready for the regular season so um anyway enough of the honest conspiracy talk should we should we catch up on our all-time Bucks team because we had a lot of feedback on that. Um, we did our our last episode, and I think we also had some some I think follow-up thoughts on guys that we. I mean, really, I think like one guy really that we we didn't talk about at all. Um, I have maybe another guy that we really didn't talk about at all, but nobody really even 
cared it seemed um but maybe a couple of people maybe do we have do you have some reflections on our picks uh after we had some dialogue and obviously tons of people tweeted at us with their picks um any thoughts on on kind of how our picks differed from uh, uh bucks nation's picks and i guess to recap we had oscar at point um city moncrief and marcus johnson on the wings uh Giannis at the four and kareem at the five um any any reflections uh, now that we had a few days to to talk it out with Bucks fans? Listening back to it and hearing from Bucks fans, I want to apologize for being a coward and not actually having the Giannis discussion because I do think that you could have had that discussion um, and tried to try to figure that out exactly if he has done enough in his four years to be. Uh, the power forward for the all-time Bucks team that we picked, uh, because as as we got more and more responses, uh, we were, I think, totally offensive in not adding Vin Baker to, uh, not even discussing Vin Baker. I don't think he came up once in our conversation, uh, and I don't know if we could have a more glaring omission than than that. Right. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Terry Cummings as I think we mentioned Terry Cummings being kind of the the most obvious sort of prototypical power forward guy. If you yeah. didn't want to pick Giannis, um, and Cummings was was in Milwaukee longer than in Baker, and um, yeah, I mean, Baker is really interesting, and and yeah, I, I I feel bad not talking about him at all because Vin Baker was actually. I, you know, I was actually going to games when when Vin Baker was in Milwaukee from '93 to uh, to '97. Um, only four seasons in Milwaukee, but did actually make three All Star teams. Uh, the interesting thing about and Vin, an All NBA, yeah. The interesting thing about Vin is, you know, he's had the same number of seasons as Giannis. He was really durable um, in Milwaukee. He actually played eighty-two games in in uh, let's see, five of his first or four of his first five seasons. Played seventy-eight in, in his four season in Milwaukee, um, but did play those four seasons in Milwaukee before being dealt to uh, Seattle, and then. You know, really not that long thereafter. Obviously, um, kind of the wheels came off his career to a large extent, and I'm sure many people know his story of you know substance abuse and and specifically drinking and and really uh, a lot of challenges that you know thankfully he's really bounced back from and he's become you know a great I think voice of um, you know uh, speaking out about the the challenges of that and and how he overcame it. And obviously now he's he's great to see him back on on TV working on Fox Sports. Wisconsin but you know take nothing away from Vin you know three three all-star season in, in four years um, a couple of I think 20 and 10 seasons um, you know he put up definitely big numbers in in Milwaukee um, and but I think by the same token too I mean you look at it he played it's interesting he played a ton in Milwaukee his last three seasons he played over 40 minutes per game um, and if you look at Crazy. his efficiency numbers um, Giannis, I think, actually has more. You know, if you try to look at sort of some type, and I granted, I know like wind shares are a flawed stat, but um, if you try to find like numbers that kind of like, you know, to- number that that look at sort of total contribution, um, that are you know beyond just like counting stats. Um, Giannis, I believe, has more wind shares and more value over replacement in his four years than than Vin Baker had in his four years. So, kind of tells you, you know, Vin was obviously more of a kind of volume, played a ton of minutes type guy. wasn't as efficient even as, as Giannis has been and certainly didn't have, you know, the, the single season greatness that we saw from Giannis last year. So I don't I mean, I don't really feel bad about necessarily putting Giannis ahead of him. Um, but I do think it's, it's certainly a valid discussion. You know, I think, you know, if you use those, some of the same metrics, you know, Terry Cummings had more kind of, you know, wind shares, things like that than, than Giannis. But again, that's because Terry Cummings was in Milwaukee longer than, than Giannis has been. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a good, it's a good discussion. And it came up on basketball Twitter a little bit today as well. Um, I think Eddie Joseph was having the conversation where you kind of, I guess one of the more difficult balances in figuring out where players rank in any all-time discussion is like, how does longevity play against like brilliant peaks? Because yeah. like at this point is, I think the example that he was using was, uh, Steph Curry or John Stockton. Like at this point, if if Curry retired right now, is he considered better than John Stockton, who obviously played forever, um, 
hands down the all-time assist leader, all-time steals leader, and uh, I can't imagine anyone's going to catch him in those two statistics. Maybe eh, I shouldn't say that. Most records get broken at some point. Um, so maybe he gets caught there, but he obviously played forever, but he didn't have the same just transcendent peak that Steph has had where he's got the MVP and the championships. So I don't know. It, that I think that conversation is always interesting, um, and we largely punted on it. So that's more not – I wasn't saying that Vin Baker needed to be on over Giannis, but just that we probably could have discussed that a little bit more because I know I had a couple older school guys uh, talking to us on Twitter. Obviously, uh, Canada Bucks was, was one of them, uh, but – we sh- we probably should have discussed that longer, but I think ultimately I probably would have decided that the peak of Giannis was enough to get him that power forward spot, anyways. Yeah, and I, I think the the thing that I found I thought was most interesting was I feel like most people picked Ray Allen for one of the wing spots, uh, most specifically shooting guard, and so as a result, most people only had one of Marcus Johnson and Sidney Moncrief, uh, probably. I don't want to say most people pick Moncrief. I want to say, um, but offensive, obviously we described. Frank, that's offensive. <laughs> but obviously we w- we went over obviously the arguments uh, why we picked both Sydney and Marcus over Ray, and I, I think it's interesting. I mean, we also had our had our hypothetical at the end where we discussed, you know, could you maybe um, fudge the positions a little bit and and start all three of those guys and and drop uh, Oscar given that I think Ray's. You know, Ray's overall contributions were were probably bigger than than uh, than Oscar's, or, or at least his you know statistical numbers, especially with with Oscar coming in at the end of his career. Um, uh, one one question I think is kind of interesting to, to ponder is how would your pick? So so when we did this, and I think we talked about it a little bit, but we didn't talk about it that much. But we really weren't we weren't picking this team as like what is the best team to you know compete with the Warriors in 2017, right? That wasn't the idea. I think the idea was to pick the players who had the best, you know, careers slash contributions, the, the greatest players in franchise history. And obviously not every player is going to translate to the modern era as, as well as others. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, we joked about how the roster we picked had basically no floor stretching at all. Um, how, how would you think about our roster differently if it was, Okay, you got to pick a Bucks team to go match up in a seven-game series with the the 2017 Golden State Warriors. I mean, do you pick anybody different, or do you feel like, eh, those guys are all awesome? Let's just stick with those guys. Oh wow, um, man, that's really tough because maybe you and Ray Allen was obviously a, a very popular choice among people. Maybe you make sure Ray Allen is in that starting five to make sure you have some shooting out there, but. I just don't defense. I honestly that lineup. I feel pretty good defending the Warriors. Like I feel like that's I can switch one through five. Maybe not Kareem, but I can switch one through four. But if I'm getting actually, you know, if I'm getting if I'm getting Milwaukee Luel Cinder, I think he could do some switching and at least. He could hedge hard on on some point guards. So like, I think defensively you're great. And offensively, I don't know if adding Ray Allen really gets you there. Um, like Obviously, it's going to help out the space a little bit, but I don't know if that totally, uh, totally gets you there. And I think if you're really trying to make a modern team, you probably have to make some some even more drastic decisions because you probably have to, I mean, you need shooting somewhere else. Like you can't just be Ray Allen. So does that mean I have to, would Sam Cassell be a more prototypical modern point guard than Oscar Robertson? Um, I would say yes. I would, I, I would say if, if you're, and again, I mean, the, and it's always kind of unfair, right? Because, Oscar, I mean, there was no three-point line when Oscar Robertson was growing up slash when he played, right? So, I mean, he never needed to even practice a three. So it's very possible that Oscar Robertson could have shot threes if, you know, that was even a thing. And, you know, to the same extent, even with Sidney Moncrief and Marcus Johnson, I mean, when they were growing up, they they didn't have a three-point line. And then, you know, during their careers, the NBA added a three-point line. But, um, 
you know, it, it wasn't really a thing that that was required of of even yeah. anybody really, right? So, um, so that's partly the reason why those guys, you know, never really never really did that. I mean, they they were both. Um, you know, I mean, Sydney was an 83% career free throw shooter. Uh, I don't have Marcus's numbers up, up front right now, but I mean, certainly like, you know, you would think if they were again, like developing now as players, um, that that's something that they would have been able to do. Uh, but, but it's tough. Cause I mean, if you're just taking them as is, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a different sport, but yeah, I mean, I think if you, I, if you were building it for the modern NBA, um, you know, maybe you'd go, um, Maybe you'd go Ray and Sam just to get more shooting, um, more kind of prototypical, you know, modern NBA type perimeter play. Uh, and then I don't know who you drop there. Um, you know, who who would you keep from, you know, Sid and, and Marcus? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe you keep Sid just because he's, you know, if you're playing the Warriors, maybe you put Sidney on on Steph Curry uh, as your defensive stopper and or something. I don't know, right? Like, it, it, there's no easy answers here. But um, but I, I think. You know, as much as Kareem maybe not ideally suited to uh, you know be defending pick and rolls in space in the NBA three modern NBA three point line, I feel like if uh, if Kareem you know had a go at Zaza or if uh, you know death lineup Draymond defending Kareem, I think Kareem's skyhook could have got you some some easy buckets. Yeah, uh, I think I think Kareem's giving Draymond buckets. I think he's giving Draymond buckets. Uh, seven two. What was cream seven two or something like that? Yeah. I, I think he could. I think he could have could have done okay in, in the modern NBA. <laughs> yeah, man, the skyhook is so awesome. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, uh, like I said, like I, the the thing that did excite me about that original lineup in the modern NBA is that's like kind of it, it was a positionless lineup for for much of what we're talking about. Like Oscar was a big guard or a big point guard, excuse me. Marcus was doing a whole bunch of different things with the different playmaking that he could do. Same thing with Sidney Moncrief. Obviously Giannis is Giannis. And then you add cream in there at the five and you just have playmaking everywhere on the floor. Uh, And I think you'd be a really tough cover offensively, despite that, that lack of spacing. Cause you have so many guys that, could put the ball in the basket, but also were good playmakers, could pass, create, and just be a part of a coherent basketball team. Um, so I, I don't know. I I maybe don't change anything just because they are, they're playing that positionless basketball. Like I, I think offensively and defensively, you could do a lot of cool stuff with them. Yeah, I think the... The one guy, and this is uh, this is going to be blasphemy for a lot of people. Uh, the guy who I feel like out of that list, whose game would translate the least to the modern NBA, uh, and again, we are I already kind of mentioned some of the reasons why. But I, I, I'm so fascinated by the idea of Oscar Robertson. I mean, you look at his numbers, and obviously, it was played at a time when. NBA paces were were much higher. I mean, there were many more shots taken, which is partly why he, you know, was able to average a triple double uh, famously. But again, also, I mean, I always point out. I think if you add up his his numbers over his first five seasons, because his early in his career, early in his career, he had more rebounds, and then he became more of a passer um, later. He actually averaged a triple double over his first five seasons in aggregate, which is incredible. You know, people <laughs> always talk about the single season triple double, but if you do the numbers, his career stats after five years was a triple double, um, which is just insane. But you kind of watch him play. It's just so weird because he he started really, I think when you look at guys from like the 60s in particular, that was a different sport. Like that, it, it really Absolutely. was. Uh, I mean, Oscar Robertson highlight reels are like a lot of slow motion mid-range jump shots. And you look at it and you're just like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's yeah. a little bit strange. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a little strange. Like, it's kind of hard to appreciate what the guy was able to do. And obviously, I'm. It's not to to say that I understand what Oscar Robertson was like, and I decide, I I can confirm that he wouldn't be all that great in the modern NBA. Look, I, I don't know, right? But um, but you watch his game on on film. It doesn't really. It's not really that impressive looking. Um, and you know, the '60s NBA is where, you know, I mean, you watch, like, guys dribbling around. It's just like, yeah, like, you'd have your pocket picked in a second if you dribble <laughs> like that. If you dribble yeah. like that in a modern NBA game. Um, granted, 
modern NBA players will probably also get called for carries every other possession uh, they if they play in the sixth. But um, but yeah, Oscar, he's he's just a such a unique player because as you said, he did have great size. Um, now you know, uh, does playing in the modern game? I mean, he would have had good size for a point guard even today at six four six five. But um, you know, how much of his success back in the day was because again, he just was so much physically more talented than um, than everybody else. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah. but he's sort of just a weird player. Both I mean, and I mean that in a compliment, uh, in a complimentary way. But again, whether that would have you know meant uh, his his game not translating as well as say somebody like Kareem, um, I don't know. I'm I'm a little more skeptical of Oscar just because again, I, I, it's just kind of hard to see watching him play. It's just sort of harder to tell how that would translate into the modern game. Huh? Yeah, I think you're probably onto something. I because I'm trying to think. Maybe the, is this the MCW corollary where I'm trying to think of the best highlight I've ever seen of that player? And again, this is totally unfair to Oscar Robertson because games just weren't televised. The NBA was not nearly as popular. There was no way to probably have like his best highlights ever. Um, but when you watch a guy like like there are wilt highlights, like young wilt highlights, where it's like holy shit, that dude is insane he's so athletic there's no way he belongs on the same floor as these other guys and same thing with bill russell like in those spots you can see it and like you said with oscar like again the ball handling was obviously probably the best in the i would say around the best in the league like obviously a very sure handle and he was bigger than other guys so he could hit those shots and you still have to hit those shots like he, he was fantastic from the mid-range uh, and could get to the rim and, and do a lot of things, but you just don't see that same like jaw-dropping, insane stuff that you saw with some of those other guys. And again, obviously he was he was earlier than those two, and obviously there just isn't a ton of highlights, but uh, I think it's a, it's a really good point that I can't think of the coolest Oscar Robertson highlight I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm watching uh, as we say this. I'm watching. There's some some stuff on YouTube. I'm watching like his some of his a game like his complete highlights from a, a game against the Celtics in 1966. There, there's some stuff on YouTube, but um, but yeah, I think that I think that's the thing. The perimeter players in particular, right? Like Wilt and Kareem. I mean, their size and their skill. Uh, I mean, they were they were enormous even by today's standards, right? Like they they were huge dudes, and their athleticism. You know, you hear about people talk about Wilt's athleticism in particular. Um, just a phenomenal freak athlete, you know, which I think even today would would stand out. Um, but some, I think, a lot of the perimeter players in particular, especially with obviously the three point shot becoming so valuable today, it's just it's just really is a different different kind of sport um, when you watch it then versus now because it's just. You know, guys are just trying to get to get to the basket, uh, you know, and get yep. closer and take mid range shots because it's like, well, a 10 foot shot is better than a 20 foot shot. Right. Um, it's just the mindset <laughs> just had to be totally different. So yeah. um, anyway, not to litigate uh, old old time NBA players versus current players, because, I, again, I, I think I, I do prefer to just look at errors and, and sort of treat them separately. But um, but yeah, interesting, interesting kind of question to, to think about. All right, Frank, I don't think we need to do any more. Litigating is a good word because we've done a whole lot of that tonight as we've gone through the Giannis situation, scenario, whatever you want to call it, drama. Um, we, we went through all that. We went through some of the critiques that we had of ourselves and heard from others about our all-time Bucks roster. Um, I think I think I'm feeling pretty good about this. I think we'll end here uh, for Frank Madden. This has been Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks, and we will talk to you later. Napa know It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17